so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love and the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He enlists the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah, our God is marching on. I've seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lips. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea. With the glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. While God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah, our God is marching on.
blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchase of God Born of His Spirit Washed in His blood This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior All the day long This is my song Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, rain from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, this is my story, this is my song.
the hills and dells And help me be one To live life for you And help them see Christ in me Where do I stand when I'm faced with trials When I'm feeling broke when I know the whole world's against me And I feel alone I'm trusting that you're always with me And that's what gives me hope Lord, oh Lord, where do I stand? Oh Lord, where do I stand? Amen. Love to hear Grant sing. Well, I love to hear all of our children, our, grand, our grandchildren. <laughs> Grant was six months old when I came here. He's now, what are you, second year in college now? Yeah, my goodness. He's writing all these songs. Does a real good job. All of our young people do. You heard, you heard our pianist the other night. I thought it was last night, but it wasn't, was it? But uh, she's going to be playing some more for us, she said. We have others in here that play music and sing, and what a blessing it is. And we thank God for our young Amen. people. Thank the Lord for how God has blessed this church tremendously with a great group of young people. And God is truly blessed in a great and mighty way. Before we go any further and ask our brother to come, we want to go back to the Lord in prayer. Something that I've always believed that a worship service ought to be saturated with prayer. And uh, the man of God I know desires that prayer of God's people. So we're praying tonight that the Lord will bless Brother Collins in a great and mighty way. Pray the Lord's touch upon his lips and upon his mind. Pray that his tongue will be obedient to the word and to God tonight. Pray for us as a people. Not only that we'll hear the word. But it will affect our hearts in such a way that we cannot help but do the word. Yes. May the Lord bless us is our prayer. Brother Grigsby, would you take us forth throne of grace, please? Dear Lord God in heaven, Father, we thank you for this hour, this time. Lord, to meet together and lift up our hearts. Lord, to sing and rejoice in God our Savior. Wonderful, blessed Jesus, Lord, that you died to deliver us from the bondage of corruption. Lord, tonight we pray for those grieving hearts that have lost a loved one. We pray for those, Lord, that are in the hospital, Brother Jimmy. Lord, we miss them. We thank God for the testimony of faith here in this family house. Now we pray that even in the morning, Lord, that he would be able to come home and be in his home and live out his life. Be here in the services. And Lord, tonight we do pray for Brother Collins. Lord, give him the morning and live in the place. May heaven come down to him. And Lord, may he deliver the message that will touch our hearts and our souls. Lord, give us repentance from sin, faults and failures. Even forgive us now, Lord. But dear Lord, we pray that if be one lost, that you would touch their hearts that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, in the grace of the wonderful Savior and salvation. For we do pray in thy name. Amen. Amen. Brother Joe Collins, you come preach what the Lord's laid on your heart, brother. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you will, over to the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 14. I'm glad, thankful to be with you once again. Uh, for these next two nights, Lord willing, uh, in your revival meeting, uh, try to straighten out the mess that Todd Marks made Monday and Tuesday. I'll do my best to do that. I don't know if I can do that or not. 
I'm sure Brother Todd brought a great, great messages. We love Brother Todd very much. Thankful that he, uh, the Lord has directed him to work out of our church with a Spanish ministry there in Versailles. There's all kinds of them around there. Uh, and you know what? It's in, they, they have a soul, and it's important to reach them with the gospel. And uh, so we're very excited to have Brother Todd Marks. Thankful that he could come up and be with you uh, this past uh, couple of nights, Monday and Tuesday night. And I am very thankful for this church. Uh, I don't know when the last time I got to be here, but and love your pastor very, very much. You are blessed. You know that. It's required that you brag on the pastor when you go preach somewhere. Our people love him. Uh, I think they'd do some swapping with you if you would do some swapping. You might have to kick in a little boot, uh, as the old traders used to say. No, they love Brother John. Love to hear him preach. So I appreciate the opportunity. Now, I'm not going to waste a lot of time, though, on, on pleasantries this evening. Uh, I want to, I don't know how far I'll get in this. Uh, I'm really going to try to cram two sermons into one. Don't panic. I'll, I'll watch the clock. Uh, I can edit as I go along. But if I see I'm getting too long-winded, I'll cut it and maybe even finish up our thoughts tomorrow night. I don't know yet. I'm not settled on what to preach tomorrow night. But I did want to share this with you, uh, something that I'll be honest with you, uh, robbed me of a lot of sleep uh, for several nights. I would come awake, uh, and, and this subject would come back to my mind, and it's a subject we don't talk enough about, I think, in our churches. My title for my message, it may shock some of you, but... I've entitled this message, Hell is Waiting to Meet You. Now, if that title shocks you a little bit, it's no less so to me. Hell is waiting to meet you. Now, I don't know if this is an appropriate kind of message for revival meeting or not. I think it is. But I do know this, we don't talk enough about this subject in modern churches. Now, let me just talk to you a little while, and I hope I don't put you to sleep. I would get up in the middle of the night, and I would get my Bible, and I have a strong concordance there, and I looked up all the scriptures, every single scripture I could find that talked about hell. I did this sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning. And some of them that I read was quite disturbing to me, I'll be honest with you. In Proverbs chapter 27, for example, uh, around verse number 20, uh, the Bible says this, that hell and destruction are never full. Isn't that a frightening statement? Hell and Destruction are never full. There's always room for one more. And sinner, there's always room for you. Don't you dare ever doubt that if you continue on the path that you're on as a lost sinner, that you will not end up in hell one day. So hell... And destruction are never full. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, I know that, but I do know enough to know that in the Old Testament, we may talk more about this in a moment if, if time permits, but in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for hell is the word sheo or sheo, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, I barely can speak English half the time. But the word sheol, of course, speaks of the grave or, or, or the place of the departed, if you will, the unseen place, uh, if you will. That's what sheol means. But isn't that a, quite a thought? That hell and destruction are never full. Another place that kind of got to me a little bit is back in the fifth chapter of the book of Isaiah. When the Bible says there that hell hath enlarged herself. And how does it say it? Openeth her mouth 
without measure. It's not a thought to get into your mind. Hell is never full, and hell hath enlarged herself. Now, theologically speaking, of course, if you go into the book of Revelation, you get this image of what the King James calls the pit. Uh, it is, I am told, literally speaking about the abyss, and the abyss is a place with unlimited capacity. Uh, the abyss is said not to have a bottom. It is a bottomless pit. It, is not to, it does not have a bottom, doesn't have a top, doesn't have sides. It is a place of unlimited capacity, if you will. And hell hath enlarged herself and openeth her mouth without measure. That got to me. A little bit. I, I, I know that I read in the book of Revelation also, and I think about this a lot, that, uh, that, that God's wrath is pictured as building and building and building until one day the Bible says that that wrath, that cup is going to run over and he's going to pour out his wrath without mixture upon this earth. Now, I thought about what that really means. You understand, sinner, listen, God is angry with the wicked every day. That's what the Bible teaches us. And it seems like that with every ungodly act, with every wicked deed, that the picture is God's wrath is building and it is building, and then one day it's going to be poured out. Without mixture. Now, he's angry with the wicked every day right now. But the good news is that is tempered somewhat by his grace and by his mercy. You understand, sinner man, the only reason that you are breathing right now is because God is a merciful God. Right. I mean, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And the only reason that we are alive right now is because God is merciful to us. God's wrath has been tempered, if you will, uh, by His mercy and by His grace. But one of these days, all of that's going to be gone. And God is going to pour out His wrath, He says, without mixture. It's not going to be tempered by grace. not going to be tempered by mercy. It's going to be the undiluted wrath of Almighty God. Frightening thought. They tell me that several years ago in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, that they built a replica of what they thought hell would be like. And they made it a, an attraction. It was called a journey through hell. Now, they thought it would catch on for some reason, but the, the populace, the people was so repulsed by the graphic nature of what they thought hell would be like that they petitioned to have it closed down. Well, the city council in Gatlinburg met and voted to close hell down. And so they put in the headlines in the paper that hell is going out of business in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Now listen, hell might be out of business in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, but the real hell is open for business. Right. You see, hell is. Hell is never full. And then hell hath enlarged herself. What a frightening thought that is. Now, a third place is in my text, uh, and I, I call it a text. I, I'm going to preach away from it as quick as I can. But this kind of springboard into our subject. In Isaiah chapter number 14, this one really got to me. Now, this is a famous, uh, well-known portion of Scripture of the fall of Lucifer. Uh, it shows us, if you, I've preached from it a number of times, I'm sure Brother John and Brother Matt Brother Clarence have preached from Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, it shows us how the devil uh, came to be the devil, if you will. I mean, he says this, I, I, to heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I, 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 the devil got to be the devil. 
But one thing, and this is the amazing thing about Scripture. I've read this chapter in my life, preached from it I don't know how many different times, but something jumped out at me when I read this again just the other night. And starting in verse number 9, listen to what it says. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up their thrones, all the kings of the nations. And they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? He said, Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms uh, come. What jumped out at me is that first phrase in verse number 9, and I sit there and it just, it just tore me up when he says that hell, listen, from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Do you catch that? Hell from beneath is moved for thee. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Folks, hell is ready to meet you. Isn't that an awesome thought? Hell is never full. Uh, hell hath enlarged herself. And listen to me, hell is waiting to meet you. It's a frightening thought. I, I read something several years ago by C.H. Spurgeon that tore me up. And, and I thought about it again the other night and it took me a long time to find this. But, but I'll tell you what, it, it convicted me uh, about how callous and almost uncaring, I have become in my preaching. Here's what Spurgeon said. He said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap into hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, Let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. He said, if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Man, what a statement. I've got people that I love with all my heart. And I'm afraid and I feel it in my bones that they're in hell right now. Does something until you start putting faces on. I feel that way because as far as I know, they went out of this life, never repented of their sins, and, and, and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're in hell right now. I've got people I love now. I've got two boys. That if God, I know, if God does not intervene in their life, Hell is going to be their home. And it's real to me. Hell is a real place. The sad part is we've lost conviction about the reality 
of hell in our churches, I fear. Now, you can find statistics for everything. I know that. If you look long enough. But back in, uh, uh, several years ago, Barna Research Group did a survey. Here's what they said. They said Americans, when it comes to heaven and hell, they're very fickle on this. He said 71% of Americans believe in heaven. But less than less than half, 32%, believe in hell. And only 2% of them believe they'll be there one day. Isn't that sad? Even among church-going people, they did a survey among church-going people, and it says the vast that really believe in hell. He, they said 35% of Baptists believe in a real place called hell. 54% of Presbyterians, uh, excuse me, 35% of Baptists do not believe in a place called hell. 54% of Presbyterians do not believe in hell. 58% of percent of Episcopalians do not believe in a literal hell. And it went on to say that about 71% of seminary students going to the eight leading seminaries, now I don't know who grades these things, but 71% of future preachers do not believe in a literal heaven or in a literal hell. Now why do we even waste our time preaching to start with if there is no heaven and there is no hell? Folks, we're wasting our time. Why are we here uh, the way we are tonight? We might as well just close up shop, go out home, because if there is no heaven and there is no hell, then we are wasting our time. William right. Booth preached a sermon back in 1875 that was very prophetic in nature. He, he, he talked about what the churches would be like, he said, in the 20th century. And here's what he said. He said that churches in the 20th century, they will attempt to preach a conversion without conviction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what we have pretty much today? People are converted to a religion or a particular denomination, but they're not converted to Christ. Right. And he said people will preach a conversion without conviction. Let me tell you something, folks. You cannot have a true conversion without absolute conviction. Amen. You must be convicted, sinner, that you are lost, that you're undone, that you're without God without hope in this world. You must be convicted that Christ is the Savior of men. You must be convicted that you are a sinner and you must be convicted that Christ is the Savior of sinners. There is no conversion without conviction. The second thing he said is that they will attempt also to preach a renewal without repentance. And you know what? You don't hear anything about repentance anymore. I went and preached uh, down in the church down in Mississippi. I, I don't know if I told you that experience or not. But I noticed that the, the, the church bosses were kind of sneering at me after service. And I, they came up to me the second night. And, and, and they sat right over here. You could see who the bosses was. And, and they, after the second night, they did this both nights. I actually preached in the morning that night. I preached twice a day. And they come up to me and said... Uh, well, you didn't preach the gospel. It kind of threw me for a loop. I thought, what are they talking about? And, and, and well, the pastor came out to where I was staying that night, and he and I asked him about it. And he said, well, he said, I should have warned you, if you don't uh, actually say, talk about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and say that several times in your message, then they don't believe you're preaching the gospel. I thought, how shallow and how silly can a person be? Well, they also, he said, they don't, and they don't believe in your parents. And, I, and, and, so, and don't believe in tithing. And so I, I said, well, brother, to be honest with you, I'd rather just get back in my Chevrolet tomorrow, drive back to Brussels, Kentucky, and let you handle this. He said, oh, hell no, I need help. I said, all right, I'm going to pound on it all week. Every time I got up that week, I started preaching on the subject of repentance, you know. And, 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 and it shook them up. But every man said, listen, I'll tell you what my Savior said. My Savior did say, except you repent, Amen. you shall all likewise perish. So, he said a mouthful. He said, churches, and it's the way we are, they'll preach a, a conversion without conviction. They'll, preach a re, they'll attempt to preach a renewal without repentance. But the third thing that he said 
straight really struck home. He said that it will get to the place where churches will try to preach a heaven without a hell. We're there. How long has it been? In our churches, have we warned the sinner? C.S. Lewis said this one time. He said, listen, if you think lightly of hell, you'll think lightly of the cross. He's right. I mean, why would he have to die to start with? I believe that my Savior bore an eternal torment on my behalf. I'll tell you what else. If you believe lightly about uh, hell, you will think lightly about heaven. You sure will. And so I, 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 I want to talk to you tonight. And, and I see I'm not going to get to my, what I accomplished, what I want to get. Give me a few more minutes. Uh, listen, hell is waiting to meet you. Hell is never full. Hell hath enlarged herself, but listen to me, sinner. Don't you ever doubt that if you continue on the road that you're on, lost, that hell is waiting to meet you. Right. <clears throat> sure is. The Apostle Paul said one time, listen, knowing therefore, brethren, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to persuade you. I know about the terror of the Lord. He showed it to me the day that he saved me. And I know about the terror. Listen, uh, he said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I want to persuade you this evening. Uh, listen, I want to change your perception uh, of who God really is. Yes, thank God. God is a God of love. That's pretty much all we hear about today. He is. Hallelujah. God is a God of love. Let me tell you what else he is. God is also a righteous God. God is also a holy God. Uh, God is absolute holiness and purity. And listen to me. God is a God of wrath. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If sinners, at least let them leap into hell. Over our dead bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees. What a, what a, what a vision to get your head and implore them to stay. Well, I ain't got started. All right, so number one, write this down. We'll get through the first one. How's that? Let me just tell you this. Very simple. Hell's an actual place. Right. Now, that sounds simplistic, but I tell you, hell is not a figment of our imagination. Hell is not, as this Ingersoll, uh, Robert Ingersoll once said, an invention of religious minds to scare you into being good. Yeah. That's not it at all. Yeah. I, I think it was B.R. Lakin one time talking about heaven and hell, and he said, you know, some people say that heaven and hell are a myth. And he said, they are myth-taken. They are myth-informed. And one day they're going to be mithrable, he said. Let me tell you, hell is an actual place. Now, this is where it may sound more like a theological lecture, and I'm sorry for that. But there are that have been translated into our one English word, hell. Uh, the first one is what I had mentioned, Sheol. And Sheol literally speaks of the grave or, or the unseen state. Uh, now, I, I got scripture jotted down here, and you'll find it in several places in the Old Testament. Uh, for example, it says, Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. That's the that's the Hebrew word sheol. Uh, Psalm nine, hell, and all God. Again, the Hebrew word there is sheol. Uh, Psalm sixteen for that in hell, uh, prophetically talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The the Hebrew word there 
I'll suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Peter preached preached that to us, didn't he? On the day of Pentecost. But it goes like that. I, I got all these scriptures written down, but the first one is Sheol. Now the second one, the Greek equivalent to Sheol is the Greek word Hades. And Hades is, I said, the Greek equivalent, but it speaks of the abode of the dead or, or the unseen world. Literally, it's what Hades means. Now, if you're taking notes, right? Read them to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 23. Matthew chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 6. It, it's all through that. Hades is speaks specifically of, again, the place of the day, of the departed, or the unseen realm, again. Now, interesting thing, and I'll just throw this in. If you ever heard the debate that some say, well, in Hades there were two separate compartments. You've heard all that before. And, and the rich man was in one and the Lazarus was in another. And, and the rich man looked across and saw Lazarus comforted in Abraham's bosom. Now, if you can figure that out, you can figure that out. I'm not going to stand here and try to preach. I'll let your pastor take care of that. But that's what it says. Now, there is a third one, and it's only found one time in the New Testament, and that is the Greek word tartaros. Now, whether I'm pronouncing that right, I don't know, and you probably don't either, so we're all right. But the Greek word tartaros, and it means incarceration or captivity. It's only found one time. For God, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, for if God in, but cast him down, So we read that sometimes when you see the word hell, it speaks of the grave or the place of the departed. You know. But listen, there is and that it is the Greek word Gehenna. And Gehenna literally speaks of a place of torment. By the way, interesting, I didn't know this, but I, I read, uh, that's what you do when you're ignorant, you just have to read a lot. Uh, I read that there was actually a place in Israel that's called Gehenna. It, outside of the city of Jerusalem, in Jeremiah's day, it was where the worship of Molech occurred with human sacrifice. Well, over time, it became pretty much a garbage dump. In Jesus' day, that's pretty much what it was. They would burn carcasses of dead animals, carcasses of criminals there. And the air was so putrid and fetid that, that, that they had to keep fires burning constantly in that place to try to burn up all the refuse that was there. You see. Have you ever driven by a landfill and you see the methane fires going on there? Well, they said at Gehenna, that, that place called Gehenna, there was always fires and there was always smoke and always uh, worms and covering all the carcasses. Now, so you can get the idea then when Jesus talks about Gehenna of what kind of place he's talking about. It is a place where there's the smoke of their torment ended up forever and ever. It's a place you don't want to go. It is a place of burning carcasses, of worms, as the place where the worm dieth not. It's a place you don't want to go. It is an actual place. Read about this old drunk who was looking for a nightclub one time. And the name of the nightclub the club was called Gates of Hell. And he ran into this policeman and told him he was trying to find the Gates of Hell. And the policeman pointed the cross. He said, you see that steeple over there? I said, that steeple belongs to Calvary Baptist Church. He said, what you got to do is go past Calvary and you'll find the Gates of Hell. That's it. You go past Calvary. You'll find out hell's a real place. Right. Hell's a natural place, what I'm trying to tell you. 
Hell is never full. Hell has enlarged herself. And hell is waiting to meet you. I know about the terror of the Lord. I remember it so well. When that preacher, who didn't know a lot about the doctrine of grace, Brother Matt, he was a moody Bible man. He'd come to me after service. Oh, I'd go by him, you know. And all he would say, he'd pull me in close. I tell this to every lost person in our church when they come out. I try to copy him. He pulled me in close. said, I'm praying for you. That's all he would say. He wasn't an arm twister. He got up that morning. I remember the text. I remember the sermon. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. I told Belinda I wanted it on my tombstone. She said, when? <laughs> <laughs> not any time for soon. But when he preached that, sir, I had heard I was lost. But for the first time, I knew I was lost. Right. I know about the terror of the Lord. But I want to tell you something. There's a conversation had between Christ one time and a Pharisee. Remember when Jesus said, Listen, no man hath ascended up into heaven, said he which came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You figure that out. For as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Hallelujah. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hell's waiting to meet you. Thank the Lord that we have lost people here tonight to hear such a message.